following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. So I want to take you back in time a little bit. The year is 2005. Some of you were just born. Maddie Richter loves to remind me of that every chance she gets. But Maddie, when is your birthday? Some of you were almost born. Because this would have been September or maybe, maybe late August of 2005. My life changed. Now, it wasn't that I had just started in college, although that was a big life change. It wasn't that I had just moved out of the house for the first time in my life. It wasn't that I just had potlucked roommates and had an incredible smorgasbord of three roommates with me. Um, no, it wasn't all of those things. It was, uh, I can't remember when it was during the week, but sometime during the week, uh, my good friend Rylan called me up from UT. So at that point in time, Concordia, Texas was on I-35 right next to St. David's. And I was in a dorm called Harms, which was literally my window looked out onto the emergency room. But I get a call from Rylan earlier in the week. He goes, hey, this church I've been going to, they have a small group Bible study I've connected with. We're going to some breakfast place on Saturday. You want to come? I was like, hey, I love breakfast. I'd love to go. And little did I know what an effect this would have on me. Now you think, oh, Pastor Ted, the Bible study group, wrong. It was one in a million. (laughs) See? Now, if you've been at Narrative for a little while, it's not a surprise. But here on the east side of 35, which is a very different story in 2005, than it is in 2023. We went to this place called One in a Million. And I drove and picked up Rylan because the beautiful thing of going to a small Lutheran school in Austin was my car was parked right next to my dorm. Rylan had to walk a mile to get his car. So I said, don't worry, man, I'll come pick you up at Jester. So I drove in the pull-through for Jester. He hopped in. He goes, yeah, this is where it is. And I had looked it up because at that point, I didn't have a smartphone to tell me where to go, right? So I had my, you know, my Google or MapQuest or whatever. And so we drove over, pulled into this little parking lot, which I didn't realize at the time what a gold mine it was to actually have a parking spot in the lot. But we walk in and here's the Bible study leader. He greets me, really nice guy. He goes, hey, we got a table over here. And he goes, don't worry, the church is picking it up this morning. I thought, even better. And we sat down in this hole in the wall, one in a million. And the guy said, listen, I know you guys could look at the menu, but can you trust me? And I said, you're paying, man, I'll trust you. And so he orders the Don Juan Especial. And here it is. The Don Juan is one full russet potato, plus cheese, plus who knows how much bacon, And you order it with three extra tortillas because that's how much it is. And also there's egg in there, right? Now listen, my life transformed 
Because I said, listen, I've had breakfast tacos. But I don't know how Juan did it, but he reached right up into heaven and said, Lord, give me that breakfast taco straight from the Holy of Holies. And here it was. And it changed my life forever because listen, most Saturdays, you know, because at that point, it was $4 and a penny. And I remember because we went enough that if you got water and ordered three extra tortillas, $4 and a penny. And listen, it was great because it's like, I don't have to go eat in the cafeteria. I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna hang out with friends, I'm gonna eat one in a million. Now listen, when I say this changed my life, we were there every other weekend for two years, three years. By the time we started walking in, one every year wins handshake of the year from one of the local Austin newspapers. And I'm pretty sure they invented the category for one. Well, listen, by about year two and a half, we upgraded. The handshake came in and pulled in for a hug. And I was like, I'm home. This is where I am. Now, listen, we have all kinds of rules with one in a million now. First of all, never make the rookie mistake. The rookie mistake is they're gonna put that salsa and chips on your table before your water comes. And you're gonna go, I can eat chips and salsa. You'd be wrong. Because listen, this homemade salsa, it like, it's so good, but your mouth will be on fire. So you gotta wait, even though water doesn't perfectly, you know, quench that heat, you still need it, right? So that's the rookie mistake. You don't make the rookie mistake. If it's your first time at Juan, I limit how many people I take the first time because the rule is you don't pay for Juan's the first time you go. Now, if you were so rude as to order something else besides the Don Juan, you're paying. But you don't buy the first, and that was, we were in college and that was the rule. Listen, friends came to town, we went to Juan's, it's like, you don't pay, we got you. We dug around our drawers, we found $4 and a penny. And it was awesome, so much so, that there was this girl in the dorm that I thought, where should I take her on a first date? And I was like, I know the place. So I invited her, I took her on this date. And as I'm walking out of my room on a Saturday morning, my roommate Kyle looks at me, he goes, where are you going? And I go, I'm going to Wands. Now this dude had been asleep on the couch, right? College game day was on, like he had just fallen back asleep. But I'm opening the door, he goes, where are you going? I'm like, dude, I'm going to Wands. He goes, well, why are you going to Wands? And he's like, you didn't invite me? I'm like, dude, I'm going with a girl, man. And he goes, who cares? Well, I go, I do. So I walk out the door. And so here, Chelsea and I, we're having our delicious one in a million. And I look over two tables and in has walked two of my roommates and two of my other friends. And they have sat down, all sitting on one side of a table to stare at me. Now here's the thing, had I told Kyle this is what I was doing? Yes, did he convey that information? No, what he told our friends was, Ted's going to want in a million without us. And so what happens is I look over and Chelsea has told me my face changed at that point. Because I look over and hear these four guys, they've set up like that. Now Kyle is still staring intently, but these three other guys, it slowly dawns on them. Oh, this is a date. <laughs> now, did that take long for them to care about that? No. That had disappeared within a few moments, right? That was gone. But here's my first date shared with me and Chelsea and four of my closest friends. Now, the other thing that Juan can both hurt and help Now, it can hurt because let's say, you know, it's your brother's wedding weekend and 
You're coming in from out of town, and everyone's meeting up at one and a million for breakfast, and you walk in the door, and everyone's excited. You sit down, well, here comes your sister and brother-in-law. They've now walked in the door, and your wife gets real excited for them and throws her hands in the air. This is your introverted wife. She's so excited to see her sister and brother-in-law. Throws her hands in the air right next to the waitress holding the bowls of salsa immediately into your eyes. I didn't know you could weaponize salsa. But here it was. Now they came from the back. They had little bottles of eyewash. I was like, like I'm burning, but I'm also like, wow, those peppers must be intense as they cut them. You know, rinse my eyes. Did I still eat my Don Juan? Yes. Have I let Chelsea forget that she weaponized salsa against me? Here it is in a sermon. But going for breakfast with one of my buddies, my freshman year of college, changed a lot of things. There are so many stories we have around that place. Because we sat over food, we hung out. Yeah, is the breakfast taco the best you'll ever have? Don't tell me. Because it is. But we shared so much time together that now I I will extol one in a million. I was a little thrown off as I was looking for pictures for the slideshow because they painted it. They didn't ask me. They painted the outside. I was like, this is going to change some of my mindset. How is this working? But I want you to think about those things in your life. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a food. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's a sporting event. Whatever it is, there are certain things that happen in our life. And we are so excited to share them with other people. We are so ready to take, because I can tell you what it feels like to sit in one in a million, the handshake you get from one. I can tell you that feel and what it's like and all that excitement. And in that same vein, we are given a chance as the people of God to share that excitement we have of what he has done for us. That as we look at the basics of faith, one of those basics is sharing the good news of God with other people. That we can look at the things we love and talk about how we share about them. Well, can we do that with God? Now, what I don't want to do is put a one-to-one on that, right? Because it's like, listen, I talk and share about breakfast tacos. You can share about Jesus, right? No, this this is just a metaphor, right? We're going to get there. Because I want you to think what pops into your mind And I want you to just think about this. I know it's Narrative Church, so you're ready to shout it out, but I just want you to hold on to it, okay? What comes into your mind when you hear the word evangelism? Because it can be a lot of different things, right? It could be knocking on doors and someone going, if you died tonight, do you know where you'd go? It could be the pressure put on you to say, listen, if you're not doing this, are you truly a Christian? It could be someone else coming at you, maybe from a time when you weren't in faith to this time where someone kind of attacked. Or it could just be, I know as a Christian, I've had other Christians come at me and go, oh, well, you know, and they start explaining to me how I'm not really a Christian. And I'm like, well, about that. But we have this idea of evangelism and it can take on this negative light. And I wanna talk about how do we get rid of that stigma What are the things that give it that? 
And how does this become a spiritual discipline in our life? How does this become something that's on the same level as Bible study, as prayer, as the third thing we talked about, which was confession absolution? How does this become a basic like that? Now, what I could do is I could stand here and give you a formula. And we kind of have one where we talk about, okay, how do you do this? But today what I talk about is like the spiritual reality. And I think the things that catch us up. Let's read together the psalm from our readings today. Read this with me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. I love this psalm. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Make known his deeds among the peoples. A lot of times we start looking when we want to share our faith or when we feel like we have to share our faith, we start looking and saying, okay, how do I do that? How do I say the right things? How do I do the right things? But here in this Psalm, it's very easy. Make known his great deeds among the peoples. How do we take what God is doing in our lives and share it with others instead of saying, I need to find the perfect way to tell someone so that they believe. What if we stopped worrying about that and instead we started saying, I'm just gonna make known the deeds of God in my life. I'm just gonna talk about how he is at work in me. Because I think our tension becomes that we believe this lie that I have to do everything. I gotta have this set up perfectly. I need to know there's a, there's a plug and play way that I can take if I take these words and say them to this person, they'll have this reaction and then I bring this over here and now I follow it with that and then boom, they're a Christian. And what I wanna think about is the difference between evangelism and conversion. Evangelism is literally good news-ism. It is sharing what the gospel is at work doing in our lives. Look at how Paul will write to the church in Rome when he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Look at this for a second. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is in the power of God for salvation. The gospel is not your power, it is the power of God. When we get focused on conversion, we start thinking, I gotta tell people the right things and then they'll believe. Guess what? That's not on your shoulders. Like one of the most reassuring things I remember growing in my Christian life was understanding, listen, I talk to people about who Jesus is, I don't change them. God does that. It, the gospel is the power of God. And I love what happens here. He goes, for in, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Okay, from faith for faith. Okay, well, that's strange. The righteousness of God is revealed. Well, Paul is saying, listen, the righteousness of God is revealed for you from faith 
for faith, saying, listen, your faith, not being ashamed of this gospel, sharing that idea with others, when you reveal the faith you have that God has given to you, God uses that to create faith. The power of the gospel resides with God. I think too often what we try and do is we try and say, okay, it's the power of the gospel and. It's the power of the gospel and my right words. It's the power of the gospel and the right time. It's the power of the gospel and. Now what we do is when we use that and, we can do two things. We either put too much on ourselves and we start owning this and we start feeling guilt and resentment at God going, God, I can't do this. Why would you give this to me? When he invites us to be a part of his kingdom, to share that kingdom with others, all of a sudden it becomes this heavy weight. But he says, you know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Then God, why do I feel so heavy? Or we go to the other side and we go, well, Lord, I can't do it, so I'm just not going to. We get the part that we can't and we just make an excuse and say, okay, well, then I, I just... I won't worry about it. Evangelism is not conversion. Because conversion rests in one place and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now what he does is he invites us to be a part of it. But the part he invites us to be a part of is like the exciting part. Right? He says, listen, don't be fearful. Don't get lost in those things. No, I want you to be a part of telling the story. Let me handle all the nuts and bolts, but you get to tell the story. Now, does that mean that people won't have questions, that there won't be things we need to learn about and grow in? No, 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 of course not. But what he's inviting us to do is to say, listen, declare my good deeds. Take that good news. The power is not in explaining every piece of the Bible perfectly. The power is in, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because listen, I have been trained as a pastor almost my entire life. And there are still things I have questions about. And learning to trust God in those things. And learning to grow in faith in him. So should I wait until I've got it all down perfect? because I won't. But God says, listen, you don't have to have the knowledge I have because then you would be God. But instead, why don't you take this good news and declare it to others? This power I'm giving to you because when you declare it, my spirit works from faith for faith. And I love right there in between, it says, first for the Jew and then for the Greek. Because a side part of evangelism is, yes, it is for people who don't know God yet. That would be the Greek. But it's also for people who do. We declare the good news of Jesus because it goes out from faith for faith. That us, the evangelism, the sharing of the good news, is an incredible benefit not only to people who don't know the Lord, but for those who do and need to be encouraged and grow in their faith. 
And I don't want you to feel alone. So look at what happens here with the early church in the book of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is one of the key verses we talk about when we talk about evangelism, mission, all those kinds of things. Now, what's fascinating is when it comes, this is during the ascension. Jesus is returning to God. He ascends into heaven. And if we look at this whole piece of scripture, I love it because the disciples, the people who have been walking beside Jesus, and this would be the 12 and kind of the 75, maybe the 150 who really have been with him that whole time. And what's their question? Okay, you died, you rose again, and now you're gonna restore your kingdom here on earth, right? Like these are the people who have watched and listened as Jesus has walked this way and as he has taught about the kingdom. And as he said over and over again, my kingdom is not of this world. And their question when he's about to ascend is they're like, we made it. We did it, high fives. Jesus, you came back, now you can take over. And like Jesus is sitting there going, oh, you're always gonna be like this, aren't you? And he goes, listen, that's not for you to understand. That's not your gig. Instead, the Holy Spirit's gonna bring you power and you are going to be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Right? He doesn't say you're going to be my advocates. He doesn't say you're going to be my arguers. He doesn't say that. He says, no, you're going to go be my witnesses. You're going to go and declare the good deeds that I have done. And then he leaves, right? He's just like, peace out. I've done a lot of strange things. Now I'm just going to float up in the sky. See you later. Now, so much so are these people confused that God has to send angels to be like, go on. All right, it's done. Go, go, go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, that starts now. Go on. But I love this idea. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be witnesses. When we talk about evangelism, it is a key to who we are. That is given to us as the church to be witnesses to take those good deeds, to, to let them sink in us, but then to share them with disconnected people. From Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to Williamson County, Texas. Now that's not an excuse that you're like, well, I'm in Harris County now. I can not worry about that. No, you know what I'm saying. God has given us this gift to be a part of it. And too many times we get so focused on conversion that we forget that's not our job. We speak the good news of Jesus and we let the Holy Spirit worry about conversion. Now, sometimes it's gonna be real frustrating because people aren't gonna wanna hear it. They're gonna push back on it. You know, it might feel kind of weird, but here's the beauty of evangelism in terms of good newsism, you just, you just get to share what God's doing in your life. What's someone gonna say to that? Well, he's not doing that. Okay. You can believe that. 
the good news that we get to go and share is that it belongs to us and we're giving it away just like Jesus did. That as we look at evangelism, we stop worrying about what it's gonna do and we start saying, this is what it's done because then the Holy Spirit will be at work. And sometimes we may be on the front end as we, we talk with a friend or a loved one who's disconnected from the Lord. And we may never see any of that come to fruition. Or we may be on the tail end where we see people coming to a knowledge of Jesus, but we get to rejoice and say, I don't know what I did there. That's the best. When you go, I, like, I just told people about what God's doing in my life. And they just kept asking for more. God has called you to be a part of that. And it doesn't have to be to stadiums full of people. There are people in your life that he's saying, just share, declare the good deeds. So I wanna challenge us this week with this one thing. Just one time this week, give thanks to the Lord, declare what he has done to someone who's disconnected from Jesus. That's it. Now, I say that's it. That's like one of the scariest prospects of faith, right? So pray about it. Say, Lord, I don't have the words. I know what you've done, but give me the words. Give me a person. Let me share the good news of what you've done for me. Because the good news about evangelism is it is not about you gaining something in the kingdom of God. It is about the kingdom of God moving forward through what you're doing. Because the Holy Spirit says, listen, when you do this, you get to be a part of it. You get to joy and rejoice in what's going on. That evangelism is not conversion. It is declaring the good works of God. It is saying, this is what he has done and it is good. And it becomes one of our basics because it is from faith for faith. That as we do it, God increases our faith as well because it takes us back to that one foundational truth over and over again, that Jesus is for us. Let's pray. Lord, this can be one of the hardest aspects of our life in faith. And so what we ask this morning is that you would be at work. Lord, give us strength in the midst of fear. Let the power of your Holy Spirit rest upon us. May we be challenged to declare this good work this week. May it be from the faith you've given to us for the faith of others. Lord, let us not worry about what the outcome will be, but instead do what you told us to do, which is share the good news. Declare the good works of God to the nations. Let us rejoice in that fact over and over. And as we grow in sharing our faith, may we too grow in faith your son, Jesus' name. Amen.